there'll be three more messages following this one. I know some of you didn't realize how much end time stuff there was, but there really is. We started off, you know, what will the last days be like? How do we know that we're in the end times? And is there a rapture? And what's the timing of the rapture? And who will go in the rapture? And the last two times that I preached, we had, uh, uh, you know, it was the little downer. It was the tribulation. And then it was the Antichrist. And I told you it was going to get better this week. But uh, having said that, did you enjoy Pastor Ray and and Pastor Gary Turner last week? I know they did a great job. I I know they did a great job. And uh, they're great folks. Great church up in Middletown. But... uh, I'm going to hit on the subject today. You're going to like it. What will Armageddon and the millennial reign be like? And there's actually three more messages that I'm going to bring forward to you the next three weeks. And then I'm going to do a series on the spiritual gifts of God. Because I've been praying that the spiritual gifts flow in here. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of miracles, the gifts of healing, the gift of faith, tongues and interpretation and prophecy and discerning of spirits. I've been really praying and I'm going to do some teaching on that in about four weeks. Uh, a series following this one, but I'm going to hit today, what will Armageddon and the millennial reign be like? Now look to your neighbor and say, this is good news. I know the last two, we talked about the tribulation at length, we talked about the Antichrist and his heyday, but his day will come to an end. And that's what I'm going to preach about today. So I got good news for you today, amen? Poker never say he's got good news. Amen. So if you will stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, We're going to dive right in today, and uh, we're going to open up with Revelation chapter 16. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. Listen, I could could give you three days worth. I'm going to kind of hit the highlights on things here, but uh, we're just kind of following in the footsteps of the end times leading right on into uh, the millennial reign, and then ultimately judgment seats next week, and then hell, and then heaven. And uh, separate messages on that. But for today, Revelation chapter 16, verse 12 through 16. Uh, reading in the NIV version. If you're there, say a good amen. amen. Also, you, don't forget you can turn to version. You can save those notes and go back to them. So, so check out the notes on version. All right. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits that perform signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. They, then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Everybody say Armageddon. Armageddon. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your goodness. Lord God, I ask you now to anoint me to speak forth your word, not not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Let this seed fall on the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, give us an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying today. And let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's hold our Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive 
the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody if you're comfortable as you're being seated and say this is Good News Sunday. <laughs> I've got a little ringing up here. Uh, Nick, if you can help me with that. Armageddon simply means the city of hill of Megiddo or the Mount of Megiddo. If you've been with me to Israel, you have been to Megiddo. You have been to where Armageddon is. You have stood right there. In fact, I talked about some of this very stuff I want to talk to you today about on location, on site, right there in Israel. How many of you remember that? You, and, and we talked about that. And, and one day uh, somewhere, post-COVID, we'll go back to Israel again. But uh, Satan's long rebellion and working against God is going to climax at the Battle of Armageddon. At the end of the seven-year tribulation period... There will be a war like never seen before in the history of mankind, and God calls it the Battle of Armageddon. It will be Satan's attempt to exterminate the Jews and anybody who opposes his will. The Jews will be in Israel, again, due to the peace treaty he gives them for the first three and a half years until he psychs them out and makes life very difficult for the next three and a half years. He will gather military forces from all over the world, he will gather them all together as one gigantic, massive army of some 200 million military force to come against Jerusalem. It'll be like an army that this world has never seen. Now, there have been men that have conquered parts of the world before. I think the closest that you're going to ever get to this time where one man runs the entire world would maybe Alexander the Great. But even like Kublai Khan and Genghis Khan and some of the pharaohs and some of the uh, uh, Caesars, they, they ran parts of the world. But, but he will run the entire world. He will have the world by the tail. He will have conquered everything. And at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, he's going to think he is the Mac Daddy and he's got it all and nobody can mess with him. The nations of the world being gathered together in the Middle East for this final battle, the Lord Jesus set ready to come in his second coming. We'll have armies on his side. He'll be accompanied by his church. That'll be us. And you have to know that the second coming of Jesus is different than the rapture. They're two different things. In the rapture, at the, which starts the tribulation period, he will come down in midair. We will be gathered together with him in the air and go be with him in heaven. He will not come back to earth. But at the end of the tribulation period, the seven years, he will come back to earth and put his feet on this earth. And we call that the second coming of Jesus on this earth. It involves him coming here. And he will make his public return to the earth. And that leads me to point number one, and that is this. Christ's coming, his second coming, will be known to all people. Everybody say that. Will be known to all people. So let me throw some scriptures at you here. Zechariah 14, 3 through 4. There's a lot of, of post-tribulation, millennial reign scriptures in the Old Testament, prophecies that we're going to hit. But let's just start with Zechariah 14, 3 through 4. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. This is the battle of Armageddon. And when he fights on a day of battle, in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Those of you who've been with Israel, you've stood right there with me which is in the front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will move toward the north, the other half toward the south. They, have, they now have geological proof 
that there's a major fault line right there in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. And it's probably what's going to happen is a giant earthquake. But it'll be by God's design. So he's going to come down in the second coming when he comes back to the earth after the rapture at the end of the tribulation. And I want you to see who's coming. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. You need to see this. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. Boy, I love this. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. Hallelujah, that's us. We're going to be riding white horses, Megan, when we come down from heaven. Won't that be great? And dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings, and I love this, Lord of Lords. And notice it's in all caps. I didn't do that. The Bible does that. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love this. The church tends to think of Jesus, listen, as this frail, weak, feeble little baby in a manger. Or a suffering servant like a lamb led to the cross to die and won't open his mouth. Our picture sometimes in the church is based on the past Jesus. Yes, he came as a frail, feeble little baby in a manger. Yes, he didn't open his mouth and he laid down his life at the cross. And we tend to see that Jesus. But I want to tell you, at the end of times, there's a very Jesus, different Jesus coming back. There is a Jesus that's not coming back as a lamb. He is not coming back as feeble and weak little baby. He is coming back as a mighty warrior. Somebody shout amen. He is coming back as the undefeated champion of the universe. Woo! And when he comes back to earth again, every eye will see fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth. And they'll all tremble because they know the big man has showed back up. And this time when he comes, he won't be coming to lay down his life. He will be coming to take over. Woo! Man, I don't know about you, but I get excited when I turn on the news and I see the evil in the world and I preach the messages about the Antichrist and the tribulation. I thank God that my Jesus is coming back with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth. And he's a warrior. He's a conquering warrior. And he's got a conquering spirit. And we will reign with him forever. Listen. That's not just the Jesus coming. That's the Jesus in heaven now. So when you pray to God, Jesus is standing there as that conquering, warring spirit. And he's saying, yes, I need you, Father, to answer Todd's prayers. Yes, I command that cancer to go. Yes, I command that heart disease to go. Yes, I command this thing to be happening. Listen, that warrior Jesus with fire in his eyes sits at the right hand of the Father right now. And he's living to make intercession for you and I. Jesus is not some lily limp little thing in heaven. <laughs> With a God like this, what could you ever face that he can't help you conquer? Exodus 14, 14 says, The Lord himself will fight for you. I love this. Just stay calm. I love this. You know what Moses is saying? 
Just chill out. God's got this. Oh, man, you need to hear this today. God's got this. As I describe Jesus coming, King of kings and Lord of lords, and all that beautiful description in Revelation 19, that is who he is now in heaven. You just haven't seen that yet. But what could you ever face that he won't fight for you for? When you receive a bad doctor's report, the Lord fights for you. Stay calm. Whenever a relationship in your life seems doomed and destined for destruction and despair, the Lord fights for you. Stay calm. When the bills come due and you don't have money to pay them, the Lord fights for you. Stay calm. <laughs> when your coworkers try to cheat you, the Lord fights for you. Just stay calm. When the church folks gossip about you and slander you behind your back, the Lord fights for you. Just stay calm. When the boss can't stand you, just chill out because the Lord fights for you. When people on social media want to run you down, the Lord fights for you. Just stay calm. When you need a church location and a church building to go with it, the Lord fights for you. Just calm down. <laughs> When the children have gone ape crazy and it seems like they're out on skid row and never coming back, the Lord fights for you. Just stay calm. Somebody say amen. That's why Romans 8.31 says, what can we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Again, not the weak, feeble baby in a manger, not the lamb sled that lays its life down at the cross, but that conquering warrior who is on our side. With a God like that on our side, what could you ever face that he can't help you overcome? Can somebody say amen? That's why he said in Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That's why he said we already have the victory through Jesus. Not the baby in the manger, not the suffering servant on the cross, but the great warrior that will end all wars. He's the one that gives us victory. Don't mistake meekness for weakness because he ain't weak. Somebody say amen. amen. That's why he said we've overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. That's why 2 Corinthians 2.14, he said we've already, he's already caused us to triumph in Christ Jesus. That's why he said in Isaiah 54.17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because you've got Jesus on your side. Woo! That's like David when he... Face Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 through 47. What did he do? Goliath came at him with spears and all that. David said, listen, you coming at me with spears and swords and all these earthly weapons and javelins and all that stuff, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Man, I'm telling you what, there's some folks that need to look at cancer right in the eye and say, cancer, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Heart disease? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Pornography, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Diabetes, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Addiction, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Lust, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Social issues, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Division in the church, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Because Jesus ain't that baby and he's not on the cross. He's got fire in his eyes. Woo! 
Philippians 2, 9 through 10 says it this way. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth. Man, at the name of Jesus, every name. He is above every name. He's above cancer. He's above problems. He's above anything the world can throw at you. His name is greater. I don't care what diagnosis they give you. I don't care what problem your child has. I don't care what issue you face with. The name of Jesus is greater. Woo! I'm about to preach myself happy here. Hallelujah. His first appearing, the rapture, which is for the church, is really a secret appearing. Only us know what's going on. Remember, the world will be confused. They'll wonder, they'll think there'll be alien abductions. We talked about this. Not everyone's going to hear his call. Only the believers will see him. The world will be confused. We talked at length about that. But when Jesus comes back to the earth or to his church for his second coming, the whole world will see him. When he plants his feet here, the entire world will see him when he gets ready to end the tribulation and start the millennial reign of Christ. Revelation 1-7. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Boy, I like this. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And that leads me to my second point, And that is this. Christ's coming will be a coming of glory. Whew, man, I love this. And glory is... Basically, God's showing out in the earth. The first time Jesus came to the earth, he came as a lamb. But the second time he comes, he's coming as the line of the tribe of Judah. Came as a lamb, but that ain't how he's coming back. He's coming back as a lion. Whew. You know, that's why the devil tries to, tries to mimic him, and he goes about roaring as a roaring lion. But Jesus is coming back as the roaring lion. The first time Jesus came to the earth, listen, he came to be savior of all humanity. But don't miss this. The second time Jesus shows up on earth, he's coming as judge. With the Antichrist and his group gloating over their strength, having made war with the saints and overcome them, having the whole world worship at their feet at the end of the seven years, everything the way the Antichrist wants it, about the time he's kicked his feet up and saying, I got the whole world, the big boy is showing up. Matthew 24, 29 through 30 says it this way. But immediately after the tribulation, when the Antichrist thinks he's got it all worked out and the whole world is his, of those days, guess what? The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky. Watch this, with power and great glory. He came the first time in hiding. Couldn't even find room in the inn. Just go out there to the stable. Nobody knew him. 
The king of Israel wouldn't even walk seven miles down the road to see him. He was, he was, he was in the world's eyes a nothing and a nobody. Came to this earth gently as a baby. And he, and he left gently like a lamb being led to the slaughter. Oh, but when he comes back, he's coming back with great power and great glory. The light of the Antichrist will be eclipsed by another light. <laughs> the sun of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And 2 Thessalonians 2.8 describes it this way. Then the lawless one will be revealed in the Lord, watch this, will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy, watch this, with the brightness of his coming. Man, when Jesus shows back up, he's not coming lily limp, folks. He's coming as the greatest war general ever known to mankind. Revelation 1, 12 through 16. You want to see what Jesus is like? How many want another description? Do you want another description of him? Good, because I want to give it to you. Revelation 1, 12 through 16. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. I want you to listen to this. And tell me if you think of a baby in a manger or a lamb on a cross. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters, a powerful voice. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Man, that's, that's the Jesus we have surrendered to. That's who he is in heaven. We're not in heaven, so we don't see that right now, but that's who Jesus is now. Jude 1.14 says this, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones. That's us. We're the holy ones coming with him. When he comes back for the second coming, we're coming with him. The Bible's telling us he's coming back, but he ain't coming alone. We won't be in heaven wondering what's happening. Uh Uh-uh. We will be coming with him back to the millennial reign of Christ. As a matter of fact, Zechariah 14, 5 says it this way. Then the Lord my God will come and the holy ones with him. Poke your neighbor and say, are you a holy one? Because if you are, you're coming back with him. Have you ever thought about how cool this is going to be? I mean, who didn't like to see a good fight in school? I mean, if there wasn't a fight, I wasn't breaking it up. I want to see what happens. How many were like me? Come on, just be honest. You liked a good fight in school, good tussle. You want to see this thing to the end. Man, we're going to be front row seats on horses next to him and just watching. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? I can just see it now. This is going to be good. The devil, the antichrist, all of them getting tore up from the floor up today. It's over, boys. It's over. That's what's coming. It's good news. The heavens are going to light up with the glory of the Lord. He's going to descend in bright clouds. The brightness of his coming. Surrounded by angelic armies and accompanied by his church. That's us. We already talked in Revelation 19. He comes on a white horse which speaks of the emblem of Christ's purity and his holiness. This is quite a contrast to him first coming with in, like a baby in a manger. At his triumphal entry, 
down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. He came on a borrowed donkey. This time he's going to come with majesty and glory. He's going to come to judge in righteousness and make war on the earth. And he will express his anger against Satan and his demons. Instead of a crown of thorns like we like to depict him, he's coming back with many crowns of gold on his head that speak of his authority and his kingship and show very clearly that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm so glad I'm on his side. Man, I love this. Woo. He will smite the nations with a sword that simply goes out of his mouth. He don't even have, he's so bad, he don't even have to fight. All he does is open his mouth and it's over. Are you hearing me? And you know what? Whatever you face in this life, when you open your mouth to agree with what he's already said, it's over. The child has to come back to the Lord. The cancer must flee out of the body. The heart disease has got to dissolve. Diabetes has to fly out of here. Those problems have to change. Why? Because you're agreeing with what he says, and what he says is final. Woo! Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I'm all jacked up today. I know. I didn't preach last week. So, man, I'm fired up. Look what he says in Isaiah 11, 4. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. How many think, well, we need that right now. Amen. He will strike the earth. Watch this. With the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. He will not even, dude, will not even get off the horse. All he does is open his mouth. It's over. And that leads me to point number three, and that is this. The Antichrist will make war against Christ. <laughs> I guess he ain't going to read the book. I don't know. But I find this comical. Because when the Antichrist sees the appearance of the real Christ, he will not like it, and he will think in his arrogance he can take on the Christ. Bad news for him. Revelation 19, 19. Is anybody enjoying this? I am all jacked up on this. And I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth, all of them, and their armies, assembled them all, to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. So the Antichrist thinks when Jesus shows up, boys, gather the troops, we can take them. I, I don't know. This is, you know, 101 on how not to do things. He's going to rally Satan, will the Antichrist, gather the forces of the earth, come at Jesus with all he's got. The king of the earth, the kings of the earth, will try to defeat the king of kings. So they're coming after him, but watch what Revelation 19, 20 through 21 says. This is the beast was seized. And with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence and by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with a sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. This is not some long drawn out battle. This is not some hard thing. He sits on the horse. He says one command, and they get thrown into the lake of fire. The people that are against him get killed. The birds are having a feast, and he doesn't even leave his horse. I mean, this is like the Antichrist. I don't know why, but he won't read the Bible, and he won't like the Bible, and he'll still try this even though he knows the book. But that's not my problem. I'll be on Christ's side. Amen. Here's how bad the battle will be. Is this hard to preach like this? This is what's going to happen, folks. I said this is the good news. 
Have you ever wanted to just get the devil? Is there any, am I the only one that just says, God, just let me see him in the flesh? I'm just going to get him. Well, guess what? When we come back with Christ, we're going to be right there. Get him, Lord. Get him. Get him again. Throw him in the lake of fire twice. Hold him down. Dunk him. Do you know what he did to my life? Get him. I mean, it's like the greatest day in the history of mankind. I'm like, if you're next to Jesus on the white horse, you're getting out of my way. I want to be right there in his ear. Get him. Get him. Get him. That's how it's going to be. Is this okay to preach like this? And this one's going to be like, how many of you want God to get the devil and the Antichrist and all of them? Make them pay. Here's how bad the battle will be. Now, the last trip I took y'all to Israel, I showed you this scripture at Megiddo in that big valley of Jezreel. Look what Revelation 14, 20 says. Then the press was trampled outside the city and blood flowed out of the press up to the horse's bridles for about 180 miles. When God brings final judgment on the nations to attack him at Armageddon, the blood will flow 180 miles. Now, some people call it hyperbole. They say, well, it's an exaggeration. Some will say, well, maybe what they meant was the bodies will be stacked up to the bridle, uh, horse's bridle for 180 miles. Some will say, well, maybe the blood splattered up. But the text says that the blood will flow up to the horse's bridle for 180 miles. Now, it almost defies the imagination to see this. I did a little research for you. Cedar Point up in Sandusky and Toledo are about 180 miles from here. Think about the blood flowing from here to Toledo or Sandusky at Cedar Point up to the horse's bridle, 180 miles. If you go a different direction, Charleston, West Virginia is roughly 180 miles. Mammoth Cave and Bowling Green, Kentucky is almost 180 miles. When Jesus has his say, it's like over, over. And this ain't going to be a pretty battle. As a matter of fact, the Bible even speaks, even though it talks about blood flowing for that far, it also speaks of what I consider to be a nuclear weapon. You say, Pastor, are there nuclear weapons in the Bible? I believe there are. Zechariah 14 and 12, look what it says. Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. So this is the, the battle of Armageddon. They come against them. Watch this. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet. And their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouth. There's only one thing on earth I know that can do that. And that's a nuclear bomb. Basically, when Jesus shows up, everyone who opposes him and his people, it's going to be a bad day for them. Immediately following this battle, Jesus, once he's thrown the false prophet and the Antichrist into the lake burning with fire and, he, and, the, and the, the nations that come against them are all killed... He will then deal with Satan. Revelation 21, 3 says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil, who is the devil, or Satan, bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a a short time. If you go on reading the next three verses, you'll find that from this time on, the followers of Jesus who survived the tribulation, 
who are born during the tribulation and make it through that, they will no longer die during those thousand years. Revelation 27 through 10, following the thousand year millennial reign, which I'll talk about here in a minute, it says in verse 7 through 10, when the thousand years or the millennial reign of Christ are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. So for a thousand years, the earth will repopulate. We will be ruling. I'll talk about that here in a minute. The earth will repopulate. Satan will be let loose and he's going to try this again. As if he didn't get enough taste of his own medicine in the battle of Armageddon. He's going to try this thing again. And he will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. Everybody say Gog and Magog. To gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up to the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. That's Jerusalem. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It's like the devil doesn't learn. And the devil who deceived them was now, he was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So did you know that the battle of Gog and Magog at the end of the millennial reign is actually in the Old Testament? Ezekiel 39, watch what the Bible says. Son of man, prophesy against Gog and say... This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and drag you along. I will bring you from the far north and send you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and or bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. On the mountains of Israel you will fall, you and your troops and the nations with you. I will give you as food to all kinds of carrion birds and to wild animals. You will fall in the open field. For I have spoken, declares the sovereign Lord. I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in safety in the coastlands. And they will know that I am the Lord. I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will no longer let my holy name be profane. And the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One of Israel. It is coming. It will surely take place, declares the sovereign Lord. This is the day I have spoken of. Then those who live in the towns of Israel, watch this, will go out and use the weapons for fuel and burn them up. The small and large seals, the bows and the arrows, the war clubs and spears. For seven years they will use them for fuel. Stop right there. Seven years they'll take the weapons for in that battle where the people have died and use them to burn like, like to burn at a fireplace. They will not need to gather wood from the fields or cut it from the forest. And I know, Sonny, you're thankful for that. Because they will use the weapons for fuel. And they will plunder those who plundered them and loot those who looted them, declares the sovereign Lord. On that day, I will give Gog a burial place in Israel. In the valley of those who travel east of the sea, it will block the way of travelers. Because Gog and all his hordes will be buried there. So it will be called the valley of Hamon Gog. For seven months, the Israelites will be burying the people in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them. And that day I will display my glory and it will be a memorable day for them, declares the sovereign Lord. This battle will be so great, it almost defies imagination. But like some, some will say this is hyperbole, pastor. Like the horse's bridal blood. It can't be so. Listen. The Bible declares that it will absolutely, if it says it will be blood to the horse's bridle, it will be blood to the horse's bridle. And if it says that they're going to be burning weapons for seven years for fuel, that's what they're going to do. Now, some people say, well, now, Pastor, 
That, why would the word go back to clubs and spears and bows and arrows? We got all these machinery and weapons. Did you know we could actually go back to that right now? All the world has to do is shoot up EMPs, which is an electronic magnetic pulse bomb. 85,000 feet in the atmosphere, it will destroy anything with copper in it. Right now, all your automobiles, your refrigerators, your air conditioners, anything that runs has copper wiring. They can shoot an EMP over the United States right now and take us back to the Stone Ages today. They can do that now. What's it going to be for the Lord to bring us back there? It'll be very easy. So what's the millennial reign of Christ going to be like? Are you ready for this? How many are ready for this? Isaiah 11, 4 through 9 says this, But with righteousness... He will judge the needy with justice, and he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth, we said this, with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. But watch the rest of this passage. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Watch this. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed them will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How many can't wait to experience that? I mean, how cool is that? Oh, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Many biblical prophets foresaw King Jesus ruling over the earth. Isaiah did, the psalmist did, Jeremiah did, Zechariah did. In Zechariah 14, we've been in there, in verses 16 through 70, watch this. It says, then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem, watch this, will go up year after year to worship the king. The Lord, can you imagine the whole world coming to Jerusalem to worship Jesus? The Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. <laughs> he says, you don't worship me, you get no rain. Guess what? If we don't worship today, we get no rain, no spiritual rain. If you want spiritual rain in your home, fill your home with worship. If you want spiritual rain in the house of God, fill the house of God with worship. If you want spiritual rain at your workplace, fill it with worship. If you want it in your car, fill it with worship if you want spiritual reign in your life fill it with worship Woo! revelation 1 6 what will we be doing because we're not born during the tribulation and we're going to be gone and then we come back so who are we and what do we do revelation 1 6 and he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father to be glory and dominion forever and ever and ever we will help him rule the earth for a thousand years. Jerusalem will be the world capital for all nations, spiritually, politically, and economically. Look what Isaiah prophesies in chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Ooh, I love this. The most important place, let me say that again, the most important place on earth. He said there's coming a time it's going to be the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. 
There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. In that thousand year reign there will be no wars. There will be no training for wars. Everyone's going to be at real peace because Jesus the Prince of Peace is on this earth. How many's like, sign me up? When he stands on the Mount of Olives and it splits east and west and north and south, what's going to happen? They have discovered under the fault line that there is great, huge reservoir of water. Geologists can show you this today. Well, let me show you what's going to happen with that water. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 10. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple right there in Jerusalem towards the east, towards the Mount of Olives, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me to water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Let me stop right here. I know we're talking about the millennial reign of Christ and I know this fresh water is flowing out of Jerusalem and the further out you go, the further it goes from ankle to knee to waist to deep. I want to tell you to a river you can't cross over. I want to tell you that the deeper you go in God, the further you go in worship, the deeper you go in His waters. And you know what? He's tired of His church kicking around in the shallow end. God is ready for us to get in the river and go wherever He wants to take us. He has yet to see a church that will totally get in over his head and just see what will God do. I want to tell you, I want to believe God for the greatest. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he had me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on the east side of the river. He said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Araba where it enters the Dead Sea. How many of you went to Israel? Remember floating around the Dead Sea? When it empties into the sea, watch this, the salty water there becomes fresh. Wow. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. Listen, anywhere, listen, anywhere you let the river of God flow in your life, whatever it touches, it brings it to life. For those of you that have floated with me in the Dead Sea, you know if it can make that alive with fish. He can make anything alive. If you give God your tithes and offerings, you let the river of God touch it, it'll make your finances come back to life. You get them in your marriage, it'll bring your marriage back to life. You get them in there in the prayer closet to your children, he'll bring life to them. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. You, you let the river of God flow in our church in Bridge of Hope, and it don't matter if we're out here in Harrison or Deer Park or wherever we are, it will bring life to whatever community we are in. If we'll just let the river of God flow, somebody say amen. amen. Swarms of living creatures will live where the, where the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Wow. 
fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Enenglam. And there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. And there'll be a highway that heads for all the nations to Jerusalem. And it's called the Highway of Holiness. Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. A highway will be there. A roadway. And it will be called the Highway of Holiness. The unclean will not travel on it. But it will be for him who walks that way. Fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any vicious beast go up on it. There will not be found there. But the redeemed will walk there. That'll be our road, folks. And the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. With everlasting joy upon their heads. And they will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sign will flee away. I don't know about you, but when's the last time you came to church? Joyful that you got to come worship Jesus. Filled with joy that you got to be with your brothers and sisters and bless the name of the Lord. When's the last time you woke up on a Sunday and said, Woo, I get to go worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Holly, I want you to do so, so good. Can you do that for me? I don't know if y'all can pull that off. I want to do that song here in just a minute. But I got one more scripture to share with you. Isaiah 66, watch this.